The elect of God are those who have God revealed something to them and changed them into new creatures, born again, completely different from what we were before God revealed himself to them. It is so important to understand the elect of God are not the big organized church groups who put themselves into the churches by their own will. The elect of God are those persons to whom God has revealed himself. For example, in 1975, I was reading a book about sin. And God said to me these words, Joan, you know those mistakes you've been making all these years? Those weren't mistakes. Those were sins. I said, oh, sins. I had no idea they were sins. I just thought they were mistakes. I was baptized in water when I was 15. I would have told anyone, yes, I am a Christian. But I did not have the Spirit of God until I was 37 and God spoke these words to me, then I was born again. Pam Padgett has a great aunt, and they had a family reunion. And this great aunt, Eunice, she stood up in front of all of her relatives at this reunion. And she said, I thought I was a Christian, but I wasn't. Now I'm born again. Her daughter was sitting by Pam, and the daughter said, I don't know why Mother's talking like this. All of a sudden, she began talking like this. Everybody knows she's always been a Christian. If everybody knows you've always been a Christian, and you think you've always been a Christian, you probably aren't a Christian. It is having that experience with God that special experience with God talking to you, that's the thing that changes you instantly and causes you to be born again. And Jesus said, you must be born again, for if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see things of God until you're born again. You can sit in your church for 80 years, never missing a service, and be as dead as a doornail, not really seeing the things of God because the things of God are revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And it is the Spirit of God which causes us to be born again. And we are the elect of God chosen by God. It's not that we choose God. He chose us. When I was born again, I certainly wasn't thinking much about God. I was pursuing my own personal goals in this world and they had nothing to do with God. God spoke to me and I was changed instantly into a new creature and I was different and then I wanted to read the Bible. Then I wanted to go to church and be with the Christians. But before I was born again, I really didn't think much about Bible or church or God, but I would have said I was a Christian. Now, that's what I find the majority of church-going people to be. It won't work. 
until you are born again, having God chosen you, being spoken to by God, nothing works really. But after God reveals himself to you, you're a new creature. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, all things are become new. This world today is active and violent in trying to accomplish their own purposes, none of which have anything to do with us who are the elect of God, as we wait for the return of Jesus. The apostate churches are very big and powerful, but their power is of man and not of God. The elect of God, those individuals to whom God has revealed himself, do not seem to have any power when it comes to the world or the apostate churches. But our hope is in God. God is power. The Apostle Peter told us what we are to be diligent to do as we wait for the return of Jesus. Peter speaks of the end of the world where God destroys the heaven and earth with fire. And Peter says in 2 Peter 3.14, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for these things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. It is not that we are out there working toward a revolution on this earth. We are trying to keep ourselves in peace, even as the world goes crazy and does all this violence, and as the churches cast away scripture. We are calmly sitting with others who are the elect of God, living in peace without spot and blameless. Being in peace does not in any way mean that we support the apostate churches today, nor do we support the works of the world, which go against that which is written in the Bible. If we try to appease or be friends with either one of the two groups, we will be destroyed. For those who would be a friend of the world are enemies of God. And you can't be a friend of the apostate church that has cast aside scripture who basically have cast aside Jesus, the word, who have killed Jesus by removing scriptures and setting up their own doctrines. They have crucified Jesus afresh in those apostate churches. And the apostate churches are all around us. You know that. If you're listening to this broadcast and paying attention to what I'm saying, you've got to know this. You know the Catholic Church. You know the big Protestant churches. You know what they have done to get big numbers of people to come to church. They don't speak anything that offends people in those Protestant churches. That's their main goal. 
Well, the Bible says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That will cause about half of their congregation to get up and leave if they speak that. So they don't speak it. They sit in sin, allowing people in the churches to do what they want to do without any restraint whatsoever of the scriptures, which they have removed from the church in order to have the big numbers. I mean, that's the story. When Jesus returns to gather the elect of God, he will destroy the ones who have cast aside scripture. I'm paraphrasing from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He destroys them with the brightness of his coming. We simply abstain from those groups or individuals who speak doctrines opposite to the New Testament Bible. Some of you are wrestling with them, trying to persuade them. In Titus chapter 3, we read, after the first or second admonition, reject them. Because to continue this strife you have with them can destroy you. You won't be in peace while you're striving with them. So warn them a time or two, show them the scriptures a time or two, and then leave them alone. That's what Titus chapter 3, you'll read that. There was a Catholic woman who used to come visit with me frequently. She loved to visit with me. She would come to my house and almost immediately began speaking some wisdom of this world. And I would just stand there till she finished speaking, and then I would say to her, what you have just spoken is not in the Bible. I want to build my life on the Bible, the Word of God. Sometimes she would disappear for a while after I said that, only to return a few weeks later, saying some wisdom of this world, and I would say the same thing to her again. I want to build my life on the Bible. What you're speaking is not in the Bible. Usually when you share the Bible with them, they will not want to be around you anymore, and they will disappear. This is very important. Let them go. Don't try to hold on to them by appeasing them. A friend of this world is an enemy of God. Many times I have spoken the word of God to various churchgoers, Catholic, Church of Christ, Baptist, non-denominational, and they have stayed away from me in large groups, continuing in their denominations. But I continue in the peace of the word that God has spoken to me at that point in time. Recently, there was a brief moment of attempted communication between me and a Catholic woman, but a great wall seems to exist there, keeping me from fleshly fellowships that I might have pursued left to my own devices. God spared me. She said, I'll call you this weekend. She lives in another city. And I was terrified when she said that. And I call on God to help me. 
she never called. The weekend came and went, and she never called me. I've had God do that before with me. A couple lived behind me, an older couple, and he came over to my house one day and said, would you like to rent a room to me for the weekend? And I said, oh, no, I won't rent a room. I will let you use the room, but I won't take any money for it. And he said, well, we are having an anniversary party, and I have invited so many people, and we don't have room for the out-of-town people to stay at our house. So I, I thought about your vacant room upstairs. I said, well, of course, you can use that room. And he said, well, I need to put my wife's daughter and her friend in that room. Well, then I was stricken with her friend. Who is this? So I said, well, friend, what is this friend? He said, well, my wife's daughter is a lesbian, and her friend will be here with her. I said, oh, no, I can't do that. I can't bring a lesbian into my house like that. He said, well, I don't approve of them either. I said, now, if you have a married couple, they could stay in the room. Well, he left. We didn't have any strife, apparent strife. He left my house, and I didn't hear from him again. Actually, I didn't hear from him for two years or so. One day, his wife was backing out of her garage at the back of my house into the alley, and I was taking garbage out into the alley at the same time and saw her. I waited there in the alley behind her garage. She seemed to hesitate for a few minutes, but I just waited calmly, and when she backed out, I spoke to her. I said to her, I haven't seen Bernard in some time. And she said, he passed away. And I said, he died? Bernard died? And she said, yes. I said, oh, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. She said, I want to speak with you. I said, fine. She said, I'll come over to your house tonight because I want to speak to you. I said, fine. I turned the porch lights on at the back of my house so she could gain entrance easily. Nine o'clock came, she didn't come. Ten o'clock came, she didn't come. Finally, I turned the lights off. It was obvious she wasn't coming. The next day, I was reminded of the fact that I did not permit her lesbian daughter to stay at my house that time two years ago. And I knew God had spared me. This woman wasn't coming to my house to have a friendly child. She was coming to set me straight, to tell me off, to fight me verbally. God spared me. He just stopped it. And that's exactly what happened with my recent folly when I had my fleshly moment of thinking that I would be able to be friends with this Catholic woman who had rejected the Word of God that I had delivered to her. She had rejected it several times. You see, our flesh rises up. We want to see them, to be with them, to see how they're doing. We can know how they're doing. If they don't come around us, who have delivered the message to them, they are still following all the things they were following when we delivered the message to them. But our flesh does sometimes rise up in us to take us 
the wrong way toward friendliness toward the world, toward the church world that has rejected the word of God. And God spares us when we call on him after that which we have done by opening a door to the ones who have rejected the word of God. In Second John, the Apostle John talks to us about receiving a full reward at the day of judgment. John says in verse 8 of Second John, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. If he turns from the Bible, he doesn't have God even if he says he's a Christian. If he turns away from Scripture and does something opposite, he that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. Second John verses 8 through 11. Be careful about wishing people well. They may be going out to commit fornication. You become a partaker of their evil deeds if you wish them well. Don't bring them into your house and think that you can be friends with them when they have demonstrated that they are going an opposite way to the scripture in the New Testament which you have shared with them. I shared with a Catholic woman the scripture in Matthew 23 where Jesus says, Call no man father. I didn't hear from her for about three weeks. She was out of town and I sent her an email. And then about three weeks later, she sent me an email and said, Thank you for your message. She came back to the town where she lived, and I lived in the same town at that time. She came back and went right back to the Catholic Church and mentioned to me, oh, at church today, such and such. And I knew, what would she do? What would she do with the message I gave her from the scriptures? Jesus saying, call no man your father, Matthew 23. What would she do with that message? Nothing. She trampled it underfoot. She wanted to be friends with me. But she went right on calling those men father. That doesn't work. You can't have that, so to speak, friendship. When you share the light of the scriptures with them, and they are darkness and continue in darkness. You try going into the bedroom tonight where it is dark, and you turn on the light and see what happens. The darkness disappears. If you turn off the light, the darkness returns. But light and darkness do not coexist. You don't have to have a big row with someone in order to separate from that person. All you have to do is speak the word that is brought to your mind by the Holy Spirit. If they are not of God, 
they will flee from you. Jesus is coming to gather the elect of God. He's not coming to gather, so to speak, all the church that disobeys him, that goes to all these apostate churches and throws away scripture. He's not coming to gather them. He's going to destroy them with the brightness of his coming. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He is coming to gather the elect of God. We read that in Matthew 24. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now why would they mourn? Because they know they're not following God. They're not seeking God. They're not doing Scripture. Well, they're, they're not going to rejoice when Jesus returns. They're going to mourn. And he, Jesus, shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Jesus is coming to judge the apostate church and destroy the apostate church and gather his elect. And the elect of God are those people who have upheld the scriptures. They are the ones who have been born again, changed by God into a new creature. Most of the churchgoers have not had that experience with God. They go to church because they've always gone to church. Or they go to church because it seems to them to be the right thing to do. And to some, it makes them seem good and they want to be able to say, I go to church. Those of us who have been born again are the elect of God. And to us, God gives his spirit to guide us. And we follow him. But we don't cast away the scriptures of the New Testament Bible. Instead, we conform our lives to those scriptures. We conform our lives by the Spirit of God who reminds us of scripture showing us what to do. It's not that we go by the letter of the law, but yet we follow the Spirit of God which does not Deny the word of God. He fulfills the word of God. He fulfills the law as we follow the spirit of God. But it's not that we pick out a scripture ourselves and try to follow that scripture. We hear from God by his spirit and we follow that. It makes all the difference in the world. One will puff us up and the other one causes us to love and have joy and peace. In closing, let's look at 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. God says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? 
It is very easy to unyoke yourself to an unbeliever, whether the unbeliever is a churchgoer or the unbeliever is someone of the world. When you're with the unbeliever, if you will speak that which is called to your mind by the Holy Spirit, you will likely find they will leave you. They will go find someone else to be around. But they won't want to be around you when you speak things of God called to your mind by the Spirit of God. So be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. When you are around them, speak the truth of God, as given you by the Holy Spirit. Don't plan ahead. Just speak as given to you by the Holy Spirit. Then it will be the work of God and not yourself. And it will do the work of God. And if they do not repent, they will depart. And if they repent and see what they've done, they will want to be around you. I have found even In our own church group, there were people that didn't want to be around me. They weren't interested in talking to me because they knew I might object to something they're doing. They knew it. Darkness usually won't come to light. But if we're of God, we delight in talking with others who are truly born again and follow God by His Spirit. And we follow God by our spirit. We're one spirit. But we're not one spirit with the others. They really don't want to talk to us. Even though they say they're the church. But we want to talk with anyone who has the spirit of God. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.